this week's episode of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. This week, we kick things off with a new segment featuring myself, Zach, and Andy. Following that, I leave and Zach and Andy talk about Cave Story 3D. Next, Danny Bivens joins me to discuss his recent feature about the expansion ports on the variety of Nintendo home consoles. Lastly, Pedro, Neil, and I discuss Kirby's Return to Dreamland. Enjoy. All right. Uh, well, I'm Zach Miller here with uh, Scott Thompson. Hello. And Andy Gergen. What's going on, y'all? Now, we have news. And when I say news, I mean one news story. I think technically it's called new. I was going to say new. Is that yeah. new? <laughs> I think the singular of news is new. It's, uh, but it's, it's the one exciting piece of news that's come out this week. Uh, it's not even really exciting. It's more depressing, say, really. It's exciting if you have an infinity amount of money. <laughs> yeah. But we're, we're actually not going to talk about the news right away because it kind of, the news segment kind of comes from this letter that we got. And, uh, uh, so we got a piece of listener mail and we've chopped it down a bit. Uh, who's this from? Yeah, Jeff? actually, as I said, I didn't post that in there. From it's from Zach. Zach. I think not, I not you. I swear I didn't read write this, <laughs> but it's it is it is from Zach with a K. Let's call uh, him Zach inferior. too. Uh, well, the inferior spelling of Zach. Ouch. Um, uh, Zach writes, "What is up with the new pricing for 3DS games? Mind you, I am not complaining about it because the price point of Frogger got me to get it." And I was happy, and I did the same with Tetris. He must mean they cost $35 or $30. Yeah, I think Frogger was 30 And I would say Frogger, I would say 30 is the high end of what I would say Frogger is worth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, price point for, for 3DS games, it, it's always been too high. From yeah. day one. Yeah, $40 for a handheld game is a bit much. Especially when, for the most part, they've just been re-releases of N64 games. You know, I'm curious. I'm kind of curious about something. We, we, we say that forty dollars is too much for a handheld game, and I think it's pretty much considered to be a general agreement that that's the case. I mean, we, we're living in an ecosystem where iPhone games cost, you know, one to one to five dollars generally. Um, I kind of, I kind of wonder if the problem is not that mobile these mobile games, these handheld games, cost too much. Um, Rather than, I, I wonder if the problem is actually they're making the wrong kinds of games for handheld systems. Like, I mean, I'm mm. very excited about playing Resident Evil Revelations, but truth be told, I'd rather just play it on my TV. And if it was sure. on the TV, no one would complain about a $40 price point. Everyone would be perfectly happy for it. Um, really happy for it. That'd be cheap. I think, <laughs> it, this is one of the things that I think has been a misstep for Nintendo is that they've, they may had so much success marketing the the DS as a platform to play you know mobile game experiences. I mean, I think Picross 3D is the ultimate in that. Um, it's a very very much a pick up and play game. You can always close the lid. Uh, you don't feel like you're missing anything. I mean, they had they, they've had games like like Pokemon, and don't get me wrong, they've had big game experiences, but Revelations is a whole other ball of wax. It's a high end, like uber detailed. Resident Evil 5, basically. I mean, yeah. I was talking to former staffer Grant Buell today on uh, Instant Messenger, and he made the comment that for 50 bucks, they may as well call this Resident Evil 6. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Which, which I guess, if no one's heard the news yet, yeah, it was just announced that 
Oh, I'll sorry. An evil <laughs> revelation. I know we jumped the gun a little bit, but yeah, that's I did. okay. It is going to cost fifty dollars. And what was our explanation? There's an extra chip, like in the in the yeah, it's some in special the chip. It's a four gigabyte. It's a four gigabyte cartridge. I'm not sure what the regular size is, but apparently, it's uh, it's a larger cartridge because probably because it's got a whole bunch of really detailed textures. I think the normal cartridge is two gigs, if I'm not mistaken. That's probably probably likely, yeah. Well, they did the same thing with, you know, Super Nintendo. When they bulked up a cartridge's, uh, you know, memory space, they raised the price quite a bit. They say that the game has 20 hours of gameplay. Um, that's probably a, a generous estimate because most Resident Evil games don't generally run that long. But, I mean, I think RE4 was probably about a, what, a 15-hour game. Was it a 15-to-20-hour game? Okay. Yeah, when you get everything. And, I mean, no one complained about paying 50 bucks for RE4. And no one right. really seemed to complain paying 50 bucks for, for RE5, or 60 bucks for RE5. I mean, no, no more than the usual. Uh, yeah. So, there's the problem that Resident Evil 5, or Resident Evil Revelations shouldn't cost $40, or is, or $50, or is the argument that no mobile game should cost $40, $50? And I think the answer to that is, this game shouldn't be on a mobile platform. This is yeah. not the kind of game that should be on a mobile platform, 3D or not. Yeah, no, I agree. And it it kind of brings up another interesting point. I think, Zach, you just said that, you know, before they would charge extra for <laughs> Super Nintendo games that maybe had the FX chip or, or were, yeah, bigger cartridges. But, I mean, you don't see that nowadays. I mean, when, no, when, Final, Fantasy, when Final Fantasy thirteen came out and it was like two or three discs or whatever, they don't charge you extra per disc. You know, I mean, the 360, a lot of games now come on to at least two discs because they can't fit it all on a standard DVD. Part of that they is they don't that charge you an extra 15 bucks or 10 bucks because it's on two CDs, you know? Part of that's because discs are really cheap. I mean, that's the well, reason that's, that's the reason these things are on discs nowadays is because discs are infinitely cheaper than than putting out physical cartridge media. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I... I'm really excited about this game. I think another another piece of the same bit of news that it's going. Dude, it's why I bought a 3DS. It's going to have online co-op. I mean, shit, I'm so excited for that. I never played RE5 because the people that I would have played RE5 with at the time it came out didn't have a 360, um, or didn't have a PS3, or I didn't know them when the game came out. I, when did that game come out? Oh seven. Yeah. Yeah. See, I wasn't on staff until '09, I think. So, I mean, I didn't know that many other gamers at the time that I would have played online with. So, I mean, I never played RE5 co-op. I played a little bit with Nathan Mustafa on over win- games for Windows Live, which, by the way, was a laughably frustrating experience. <laughs> I'm um, not surprised because we bought it on Steam, and then Steam launched the games for Windows client. Um, so we had to, we had to like disable our voice chat settings on Steam so that we could enable our voice chat settings on Games for Windows or vice versa. Yeah. We had, we had to be connected through two different DRMs at once to play that game online. It was a goddamn mess. And on top of that, I don't have any way of putting my 360 controller on my PC. So I was trying to play Resident Evil with a mouse and keyboard, and it was just about enough. I was done in five minutes. I couldn't tolerate it. That's probably like mm. playing old school Resident Evil. <laughs> like the tank controls almost like just moving back I and would take that over mouse and keyboard on <laughs> that kind of game in a heartbeat, personally. Um, I'm really excited about Revelations. I mean, and they, they said it's going to support the, cir- the, the second circle pad, but it's not going to be bundled in for that $50 price point. And right. that's that's another big thing. I mean, I, I don't know if... if you, are, you, are you guys 
going to be picking up this the, the circle pad add-on? Uh, maybe. Yeah, it's all going to depend for me. I, it's not something I'm just going to go out and get, but if the right game comes along that supports it and is made better with it, um, probably. I think if they if they bundled in the circle pad, I could totally see the $50 price point just because whenever you're bundling hardware with software, you're going to see the, the price increase. But now it sounds like if they were going to do that, they'd have to bump it up to like 60 probably. Yeah, can you imagine that? Oh, man. And that's never going to fly. I'm, I have a feeling they've, no. they've already torpedoed their chances of this game selling. I just I just don't see it happening. I mean I mean it has to be incredible. You know, like I, I even for me to spend fifty dollars on it, I, I feel like it has to review incredibly well for me to, to and get I, it. I mean if it's even sort of middle of the road, I just can't justify fifty dollars for a handheld game. I expect the game I'm, to be I'm very good. I'm just glad I'm getting the review copy. <laughs> <laughs> well you can let me know then. I will. <laughs> I think this is a good opportunity to ask for two review copies so we can play comp- online, <laughs> online co op. Oh, that's right. There's going to be online co-op, which probably won't work, given how uh, online games uh, have been working so far. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, we started this segment talking about the $40 price point, and even that, like, I'm not super okay with. So $50 is just sort of a, yeah, kind of a leap there, unless it's really good. I mean, let's be real here. You're, you're talking to a guy right now and me who, I, I don't buy games for full price. I buy one or two games a year at full price, and and when I do, it's a surprise to me that I managed to come up with the money to do so. Yeah. Like, I would love to yeah. go buy Arkham City right now, but I don't got 60 bucks to spend. Same with Uncharted 3. Uh, when Mario comes out, I'm going to try to get it, but honestly, it seems kind of unlikely. I, yeah, I'm just, Mario's going to have to be a birthday present for me. I'm broke. I can't just go drop 50 bucks right now. If I could, I'd, I'd probably have cable. I don't even <laughs> got cable right now. Yeah, there's uh there's a lot coming out right now. Yeah, it's very very a very complicated time. When does um when does Resident Evil actually come out? Something February. Like February, I think. Yeah. Yep. That's at least a little better. At least it's after the the holiday season there. I don't. I'd almost rather rather it came out in the holiday season so I could at least ask for it for Christmas or something. Well, yeah, that's true. Ask for it for Valentine's Day. <laughs> does that work? Nothing, nothing says I love you like Resident <laughs> Evil Revelations. <laughs> or do you still do you still get an Easter basket like with candy and stuff? Because you could go that route too. Yeah, I would, we every now and then we could trick my mom and for Easter and like to getting us like a game or something in our Easter basket and then just a little bit of candy instead you know, of just I, a shit ton of candy. I think when I was in high school, Great. I asked for I, I got I got a an Easter gift occasionally, and then one year I actually asked for one and was I got the thing that I asked for, but I was thoroughly reminded that that that's not what Easter is for. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. I think it was like a CD, but I couldn't even tell you which which CD it was. <laughs> like I know, I know. One year, I got like one of the whatever Pokemon was out at the time, and then my brother got the opposite color, and like it was just the greatest Easter of all time. <laughs> so, assuming that Revelations is a game that could theoretically be called RE6, like it's that good, like it is, right. like it is the next great RE game. And assuming the online co-op works without any hitches, and assuming that it doesn't have any weird control hang-ups, like, like, assuming you can play the game with or without the circle pad, and it works really well, and the game is getting, like, 9s, 9.5s, you think 50 bucks well spent? Yeah, I do. Especially if you like Resident Evil. I do. I really yep. do. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. I really like Resident Evil 2, and I mean, I was pretty high on this game, so as long as everything clicks and it's a good a good game, I mean, I, I guess I could see, like I said, kind of shelling out the 50 bucks. Plus, I'd have to know I'd have people to play with, but it sounds like if you guys were getting it, and Zach will for sure have it, yeah. that uh, it might be worth it. <laughs> okay, so what happens when nine months down the road, it's also a Wii U launch title for 50 bucks? <laughs> 50 or 60. <laughs> then then what? <laughs> Game of the Year edition. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I almost feel like a game like this has a really high chance of being re- released on a, on a home console down the road, or at least in some way that I could play it. Maybe on, maybe on iPad. I don't know. I could, yeah. I could output my iPad to a TV if I really wanted to. I, I just, <laughs> I, I don't want to play this game on a handheld. Like, I want a good game to play on a handheld, but Resident Evil isn't that game. Right. I mean, we've talked about this before, and I mean, you even kind of mentioned it a little earlier now, but just that, I don't know, Nintendo's in this weird phase where they're bringing odd games to their handheld, and you know, it's the complete opposite yeah. philosophy than, than the DS. You know, when, when, they, when they launched the Wii and they didn't, you know, jack up the hardware to match the competitors, I think the idea was people don't need great visuals to have a really good gaming experience, and then they put Wii Sports in the box to sort of drive their point home. Um, they, they, you know, they, they bucked general convention with their new system when they put out the Wii, and it paid off for them. And I think with the 3DS, they've almost played it too safe. They've just done the most obvious thing, which is make the system more powerful. And, you know, they, they threw the 3D screen on, but I don't think the 3D screen has convinced anybody that it's anything more no. than just a cool no. gimmick. Oh, like, no, not yeah. at all. So, not at all. So at, at, the, at the core of it, the 3DS is nothing more than a more powerful 3DS. So they've basically done the exact same thing with the DS that, say, Microsoft did with the Xbox 360 and Sony did with the PS3. And now I think they're having the same kinds of problems that Sony and Microsoft had right out of the gate. It's too expensive for the people who are saying, you know, I was kind of happy with the old one, honestly. Yeah. Their core audience, I mean, maybe not the core audience, their broad audience. The core audience bought the thing. That's why we're talking about it. That's because you and me, <laughs> the three of us already have one. Yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 excited to see how they how they how they sell this Christmas. I'm, I would especially be excited too, to see yeah. how Resident Evil might have sold this Christmas. Because I mean, can a game at 50, yeah. at fifty bucks in a handheld? I mean, there's there's been some PSP games for for fifty, hasn't there? I don't know. Didn't PSP games sell at forty for at full at full MSRP? I'm pretty sure you're right. And yeah. and then there was a handful of them that maybe went higher than that. I think. You could be right. Yeah, probably maybe some of the quirky, like, uh, smaller, like, I don't know, Japanese games. <laughs> maybe. I was thinking maybe, like, Madden was selling for 45 or 50 on PSP, but it's oh, been really? a long time since I was Oh, no, I don't PSP think games. Madden ever was, but, but some of those, um, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those, like, Square NX games sold for 50. Right. Gotta get the Square tax in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Birth by Sleep, or whatever the fuck it's called. Well, that's the only piece of news we got. Resident Evil Revelations <laughs> is coming in February for 50 bucks with no slide pad, and it has online co-op, and by all accounts is going to be a pretty great game um, for a pretty premium price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess if anyone in the comments on this episode if kind of let us know. I mean, are you going to pay $50 for it? Is that too much? Is that reasonable? I mean, what do you think? Be interested to kind of hear the response. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I would rather... I probably would not buy it at $50. Honestly, even though I love Resident Evil, I'd try to find it cheaper somewhere else. I'd rather like, I'd rather spend 20 bucks on an RE4 port to 3DS. Because honestly, <laughs> like, I don't really care if I'm playing the new one or the old one. I haven't played the old one in four years. I might as well play it again. Yeah. I've been, I was thinking about when everyone, everyone was talking about Arkham City and how awesome it was and how it was like just the best game ever, but it wasn't necessarily that different from the last one. Honestly, all I really wanted to do was find a copy of Arkham Asylum for 10 or 15 bucks and play that again. <laughs> Dude, Arkham City is amazing. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, but is, is it amazing in different ways than the first one was? Or is it just more of the same that it's just so awesome it doesn't matter? I don't know. Um, to me, the whole... I think it's a very different game. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, just and, traveling and the city. It's yeah, just doing the city stuff. But um, it's it only becomes Arkham Asylum-y when you're going in a building and doing something. Mm-hmm. See, I kind of felt like Arkham Asylum was already kind of a small city. There was a lot of different buildings and like a very distinct overworld and. I mean, it was. Yeah, but this overworld is like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, I like know. there are a million things to do. Yeah, and it and once you get enough equipment, you can basically traverse it like Spider-Man in Spider-Man Two. Yeah, just like web slinging. That is pretty slick. That is definitely pretty yeah. slick. That's really nice. Well, uh, yeah, that's all we yeah, got. So there you go. If you had to choose between them, Andy, uh, I'd actually go with Batman. Between Over what? Resident Evil? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> My question right now is if I do come across 60 bucks to buy a new uh, HD game, do I get Uncharted or do I get Batman? Because I really loved Uncharted 2 a lot. I, no, I, would I, say, I would say I liked Uncharted 2 more than Arkham Asylum. Really? Yeah. If you're going for, like, bang for your buck, like, this is the only $60 I'm going to have to spend for the next however many months, I would lean towards Batman just because I feel like there's more content, it's more yeah. open, and there's more to do. Um but and besides it, that, um, do you, Andy, did you play any of the multiplayer for Uncharted 2? Nope. Well, then don't get Uncharted 3. I mean, for your $60, go with freaking Batman, because that'll last you months. Right. I'd say rent Uncharted 3 and just beat the yeah. beat the campaign, and then... Yeah, that's probably a good idea, and probably what I will, in fact, to do. But to be perfectly honest, the chances of me getting a the opportunity to play either game before, say, June of next year is looking sl- slimmer <laughs> by the day. Well, here's hoping. Get the the game of the year bundle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll just I'll just play uh, Arkham City on Wii U. There you, there you go. go. Yeah. <laughs> it will be a launch game. It will be a launch game, like most of this year's best titles. <laughs> okay, that's all we Perfect. got. Let's all mo- right. move it along. Nothing to see here.
sitting here with Zach Miller, and Zach's just recently put some time into Cave Story 3D, the new hotness PC remake on 3DS. Uh, this is, what, the fourth platform this game's been on? Uh, PC, yeah. WiiWare, well, DSiWare, and PC, and DSiWare, yeah. WiiWare. It's also on Mac. Oh, yeah, Mac, uh, sure. I think it's on, like, Amiga. Somebody did it on Amiga. Is it on Xbox or PSN? It is not. It's not. Exclusive, it, baby. Yeah, I think it might be on the PSP, but I'm don't quote me on that. I will not quote you on that, sir. Good. Uh, so Cave Story 3D. This is the the remake that they completely redid all of the all of the sprite work and turned it into polygonal 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 polygonal, polygonal uh, <laughs> graphics with the course the 3D the 3D layer on top and right. all all new music too, right? Well, it's it's, it's re-recorded remixed. by the Super Meat Boy guy. Wow. So in theory, it should kick ass. Like Super Meat Boy. Like Super Meat Boy music did. But uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> That's um, too bad. It it really sounds like... Okay, I guess I'll talk about the music first. The music is a huge, integral part of Cave Story in my mind. The music is amazing in Cave Story. Very I would iconic, agree. I would agree, cinematic. yeah. You, you would or would not? I would agree, yeah. Yeah. and It's great. The problem with Cave Story 3D is it's so orchestrated that it loses a lot of the charm. And orchestrated, like it, like it, they're like well, they're synth, like synth orchestra, you know. Okay. Yeah, and it some tunes are like you you hear the melody, you hear the original melody in there, but it's drowned out by lots of layers of other instruments. So that really disappointed me. Yeah, I can imagine. So you know, and and there's no way to turn on the original music like in the WiiWare version you could turn on like the original game like the original original graphics and music but you can't in this game there was a lot of people who actually really preferred the music of the free PC game to the version of the Wii remake and that was great for them because it was included with the game so they didn't actually have to choose right so that's kind of nice I mean they already kind of chose by spending $10 on a game that would have otherwise been free (laughs) <laughs> or twelve dollars? I forget how much was that. Game? I think it was twelve dollars, but it was yeah. also they had new content. I mean, yeah, that's true. You know. Um, and and that is the one thing about this Cave Story 3D that bugs me. It looks really nice, by the way. Like the 3D, I mean, not 3D, but just the polygonal graphics look wonderful. Uh, if I had one complaint, it's that everything's too dark. Um, and and when I say dark, I mean the color palette, but also the lighting. Uh, so some, if you're not, if you're not in the right lighting conditions, it's a little like playing on the original Game Boy Advance. You don't always know what you're looking at. Um, the game does, the game does take place in, in a cave. (laughs) It does take place in a cave, yeah. You never, you never feel like it on the original game because, I mean, the graphics are bright and colorful. Right. In, in the original Cave Story, I, I I thought. Oh yeah, they, they are. I just, I just wish they'd, uh. Brightened up the color palette a little bit, maybe. You know, do, do you remember going through the ruined egg corridor before the fo- the bad ending? Yeah, sure. Well, in the, you know, original game, there were spikes on the ceiling, but you could see them and get out of their way. Right. In this 3D remake, the spikes are black or gray. So you can't always Ooh. see them, and then all of a sudden, quote, is dead because he got skewered by a giant spike. That happened Ouch. to me, like, 
12 times, and it was just infuriating because I couldn't see the spikes. I actually found that particular segment awfully difficult in the original game. I don't know why. I think it's because you have to go through this segment and then fight a boss in the middle of it, and if you get hit very much yeah, those on the way to the sisters. boss, yeah, and it wasn't like it was super difficult, but I had to play through that a lot of times to get past it. Yeah, and there's no save point between. That's, yeah, that's it's 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 like it's kind of like a it's like a good five or ten minute stretch between save points there with a boss in between, yeah. uh, which is not really that bad. But in a game that's sort of as small as Cave Story, it you, you get used to there being a, a save point every minute, and right. five minutes is suddenly a long way to go. Well, it was I was uh, last night I I I beat the game. I got the second of three possible endings. The uh, good ending, I guess, not the great ending, but the good ending. Um, and there's a boss rush where you fight Misery, that witch, mm-hmm. and then you fight the Doctor, and then you fight the Doctor's second form, and then you fight the Doctor's third form, and he is, uh, uh, along with him, you fight Misery and one of those giant rabbits. All okay. at once. With no save points in between. It's like Beautiful Joe. No doubt. So, Spoiler alert, by the way, I think, well, on the ending of the game, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's an old it's game. just infuriating. I was ready to throw my DS across the room. Well, did, you ever beat, did you ever beat the original version? Not the good ending. Okay. No. I, I yeah. gave up somewhere along the line, and then my Wii broke, so I haven't had a chance to go back. Yeah. Um, but th- that, that was infuriating. But uh, uh, you know what made it easier? You know how I finally beat it? I turned on classic mode, which is sort of new. Uh, if you want, you can, when you're loading up your save file, you can choose classic mode instead of story mode, which replaces all of the character art or the character polygons and item polygons with the WiiWare sprites. But they're still running around the new background. They're still running around a 3D environment. That's... Um, Weird. Does it is it work? weird, but it makes certain bosses and enemies very visible. Okay. So, uh, like the big, the big core boss who shoots, shoots sperm at you, and you fight it with curly brace. Yeah. Uh, towards the I don't know, end of the game. Uh, in the 3D remake, it's kind of a cloud, um, like, uh, like. Like that bad guy in the stupid uh, Fantastic Four 2 movie, Galactus. Okay. Oh, they just kind of copped out and made him a big cloud. Well, he's a cloud in the 3D ver- remake of Cave Story, and he's you can't see him. Uh, so when you replace him with the WiiWare sprite, which is big and green and obvious, it's so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it sounds like I'd probably play that way, too, at least after a while. It's yeah. kind of like how when I'm playing any 3DS game, I've been playing Ocarina of Time a lot again lately, and when I first pick it up, I always put it in 3D mode, and then almost inevitably after 15 to 20 minutes, I'll turn 3D mode off because it's it kind of gets difficult to see things after a while. Yeah, you start you, you start you know you lose the hot the, the sweet spot, and you know you're, you're you switch you shift the position so that it's not quite as comfortable to hold directly in front of your face. And after a while, just for this, just for the sake of not having to worry about exactly how I'm holding it, I'll turn yeah. the 3D mode off to make it easier to play. And it yeah. kind of sounds like that's what you're doing too, in, in in a different respect. I mean, you could yeah, play exactly. it the old way, but it's just it just kind of makes a lot more sense to play it, 
with with the classic mode. Yeah, the way you can see. And yeah. then there's a there's a question mark unlockable mode, and uh, I strongly suspect that it is a time trial through the final hell level, uh, which I don't even want to touch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I never made it through the game either. I made it just past the bad ending. Yeah. Um, but not much further than that. So I haven't ever experienced the the end the, the end end of the game. Yeah. But yeah, I've seen the, YouTube uh, videos of that hell mode, and it doesn't look great. No, it looks like torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the boss at the end, you know, there's like three or four forms for that guy. So screw it. But and and the 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 thing that I. <laughs> I read this online in a preview somewhere. They said there'd be a printy mode where you can be a printy from the uh, those little exploding penguins. Oh God, what are they from? Uh, Shin Megami Tensei, maybe. Okay. Um, and I was kind of excited about that. I was like, oh, you get to wander around as a printy and shoot stuff. Well, it's just a hat. You get a oh. printy hat. Uh, well, thank God. I know, and it doesn't do anything this changes, for you. This changes everything. Now you want to buy the game. Yeah. <laughs> but I was uh, kind of disappointed about that. That is a new area. There's a few new areas in the game, and that's one of them where you get the printing hat. Is the 3D effect in the game worth talking about at all? It's all right. Um, and the reason it's all right is because there are foreground elements. Sure. Uh, stuff between you and the, and the background. So, eh, you know, take it or leave it. It's 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 as I imagine a Metroid side scroller should look. Right, right. Uh, but if you turn the 3D off, it's not a big deal. You're not okay. really missing out. It controls largely the same. I mean, does it does it yeah. feel the same? It does feel the same. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's hard to tell where you can jump just because of the angles of the polygonal environment and uh, and it's so goddamn dark but there's a nice uh map on the lower screen that maps out every block of right the area you're in so you can kind of use that as a guide cool yeah so uh, you know the, the problem is though i mean we were, we were talking about the news about overpriced games this is 40 dollars, and, and the WiiWare game is 12 and there's more content and the dsiware game is 10 yeah and the other game is free it's free <laughs> Uh, at a certain point, yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose they feel, the publishers and developer feels that the reconstruction of all of the, the sprites and backgrounds into completely new art assets warrants the price point. But, man, that's a hard sell on a game that people have already been playing for a long time now. I mean, Cave Story came out in what, 2009? Eight. Eight. Well, on WiiWare? Oh, on WiiWare, yeah, not, it might have been 2010. I think it actually was 2010 because we did a we did a, a game club on it. Yep. Early in, I think, early in the run of Newscast, which started in might late 2009. First, that might have been our first game club. It was that or Mega Man, one of the two. Oh yeah. I don't really recall, but. We should have yeah, like, our own show. We should probably <laughs> one one of these days. Uh, rest in peace, Newscast. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I mean, that's a good point, though. Like, 40 bucks seems like an awfully hard sell for this game. But I'm curious to try it. Like, it's one of those things where if they had a demo on the eShop, I'd probably download it and play it. Yeah. But the chances of me dropping 40 bucks on this game 
much like the chances of me dropping 40 bucks on any game, it's pretty limited. Like, oh, yeah. if I'm spending 40 bucks in a game, it better be something I haven't really seen before. Yeah, like. Or at uh, least, I mean, I guess I, I, I guess I paid 40 for Eco and Shadow Collection, but that's because those are some of my all-time favorite games, and they at least have a new coat of polish. You know how much I paid for that? How much? Twenty-five dollar. Yeah, that's because you were more patient than me. I went and bought it day of release at oh. freaking GameStop. <laughs> Dumbass. Well, you know we're gonna have to talk about those games sometime. Yes, we are. I agree. Let's <laughs> uh, let's do ourselves a little bonus segment on those one of these days. Yeah, let's chill. Well, that's, well, that's Cave Story 3D for you. If you uh, like Cave Story, there's a WiiWare version that's got more content. If you want to, if you really want to play it on the DSi or the D, the 3DS, <laughs> I don't know. It's your choice. Either ten dollars for the old version or forty dollars for the new version. Yep. It's your call. Um, but how much I, do you need to see quote in 3D? Yeah. And that's not a phrase that he's quoting. That's the name of the character, right? Yep. Did they, ever, did they ever actually name him in the game, or is that just like a background thing? One of in one of the uh, if you if you save Curly Brace and restore her memory, she tells you what your name is. Okay. Okay. So I don't think I ever maybe. Did that. <laughs> I don't think I ever did that. I didn't either. I'm I'm replaying it now, and I'm going to try and make all the right choices. Good luck. Thank you, Game Facts. Danny Vivitz here, who's becoming somewhat of a regular on connectivity. Uh, how, how you doing, Danny? I'm doing just fine, man. How you doing? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. I, I feel kind of bad. We've uh, Danny just got Super Mario 3D Land about 15, 20 minutes ago, and I uh, had about enough time to open it up before I had him come on here to record. So. You bastard! <laughs> so at any point, he sounds very distracted and uh, can't think about what he's trying to say. I'd imagine he's probably playing. Yeah, so if you hear so. Mario sounds too, that might be a key. <laughs> yeah, so uh, listeners, keep your ears open. But, um, well, I invited Danny here to talk about um, a feature I guess we've had kind of in the works for a while here. I think even since I joined the staff, I remember seeing kind of emails pop up every now and then, um, you know, with, with you working on this. And uh, that's your expansion port feature where you, um, I guess, explored uh, all the variety of expansion ports that have been on the, the different Nintendo consoles leading from the NES or Famicom all the way up to the GameCube. That's right. Um, I, there weren't any on the Wii, as far as I know. Is that's correct, right? That's right. Unless, well, I mean, USB ports, but you know. Sure, I, sure. Yeah. Nothing. So, um, like, yeah. Nothing proprietary. No, so. Exactly. So I, I guess starting things off, I mean, what even kind of got you interested in exploring the expansion ports? Because they're there, but until I read the feature, I kind of forgotten it. <laughs> you know, if you yeah. put the system, any of the systems over, you see them, but yeah, you, you kind of forget about them. Right, and. I don't know. I, I have a thing for kind of old technology and stuff. And um, I think, you know, the expansion ports ports kind of harken back to like the day where, I mean, you know, before USB, they had to have these things. They wanted to have, you know, some kind of expansion to the hardware. And right. that's that's one of the things that got me interested other, other than the fact that I love Nintendo too. 
Um, but I, I thought it was interesting how a lot of this stuff kind of made its way into future Nintendo hardware, uh, you know, stuff. And um, I don't know, I, I always just found that kind of interesting. Um, and, I mean, throughout the article, I mean, you could see, like, specific ideas that kind of get recycled in, like, mm. later ideas, too, which I thought was fascinating. And then some some of these ideas that just all of a sudden they just stopped doing them. Um, some some for obvious reasons and some for reasons that are uh, you know unbeknownst to me. But uh, yeah. sure. So I, I guess if you kind of know it off the top of your head, uh, if even just starting things off, if you would kind of break down, I guess maybe what each the variety of ports that each system had, you know, maybe how many they they had. Right. So I guess you know starting out with the Famicom in Japan, uh, there was one expansion port that was on the front of the console, and this this thing was used by a lot of different peripherals and stuff like that. Uh, in terms of, like, add-ons, I mean, the big things were, you know, the Famicom Disk System, which I know a lot of people have heard about, and also something that's a little bit more rare and not known is uh, Famicom Basic and Data Recorder. is basically um, uh, is a keyboard that hooked up to it, and like, a, I believe, some kind of a cartridge, so you could basically write programs in BASIC uh, for, on your Famicom. And, wow. Yeah, and then the data recorder was essentially just a tape recorder, but, you know, you could record the data on the cassette tape. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of these ideas were even going to be implemented into the NES in America. Mm-hmm. Nintendo was kind of thinking, like, hey, we want to make this be kind of like an uber high-tech kind of console uh, to draw in, like, a, you know, just a, I guess, like, a, I don't know, uber nerd kind of crowd or something. Right, yeah, fam- families of programmers, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then they kind of, you know, for the states, they kind of rethink their strategy and kind of thought, hey, you know, I don't know if this is going to be so successful, so this kind of sort of focusing more on family-oriented things, maybe stuff more, or, you know, targeted more at kids, teenagers, whatnot. Or right. just gamers instead of just people that are, you know, instead of just making this be like a computer, um, it's kind of make it, kind of set it apart, I guess. Right, um, yeah, not, because, I mean, and there were already other systems in the states that were trying to do that, like to try to be like, you know, half com- like computer, half video game system. Exactly, exactly. So I, I don't think Nintendo, they just, like I said, they just wanted to kind of separate themselves from that. And, uh, you know, in Japan, they tried this a lot of things. So, I mean, the Famicom Basic and the Data Recorder came out anyways. Um, I believe there are actually three versions of it. Um, and some some of the things were pretty cool. I mean, you could basically, like I said, you could program your own stuff. And they had assets from all sorts of different Famicom games, like Donkey Kong. Um, that's the main one I could think remember off the top of my head. <laughs> but just like a lot of different assets, so you could... Put together crazy stuff, and so you you could pull that in and use that like in whatever you program. Yeah, apparently. Um, wow. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and also too on the, each of the versions they had some kind of like demos showing like what you could make, essentially kind of like mini games. And I think on the the last version they released, they had like a, a lot of mini games. I don't remember how many exactly, but the, I mean there were a ton, and you could kind of just see like you know, hey, this type of stuff that you could program. On here, so that's that's kind of cool for people that were maybe interested in that type of thing. I guess exactly. I, um, mean, I mean, I don't know how how much you researched that specifically, but did you find like any any examples of like work people actually did, like pe- consumers who purchased I it? Did not, but I did find some interesting videos of people adapting the Famicom Basic keyboard so they could use it on the regular computer. 
Um, <laughs> well, that's something, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, I, I really didn't see anything like that. I also tried to look, see if I could find any, like, sales numbers, something on it, and I, I, I couldn't find anything. Um, right. It, yeah, I can't imagine it did too yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of the things I tried to look, you know, I'm trying to look for stuff in Japanese, I'm trying to look for the stuff in English, and it's, man, <laughs> sometimes it's just kind of hard to know where to start. I mean, it, you know, but that was part of the yeah. fun of it, too. So Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's a whole... Uh, exploration, I guess. And, you know, you said that things from, you know, researching this feature reminded you of future uh, sort of implementations and mm -hmm. not so much the programming, but that even almost reminds me of something like maybe Mario Paint. Um, mm -hmm. Specifically, I guess, sort of like the sound composer, mm -hmm. you know, where, where it's this, like, tool that they just created and you, you just kind of had, I don't know, like, you could just do anything with it. And even now, like, people still make medallies and put them on YouTube and stuff, you know, of, like, popular mm -hmm. songs put mm -hmm. together and Mario Paint. So it's just kind of, it's almost kind of that same ideology a little bit, you know, yeah. like a allowing people to create something through their system. Right, right. And I think another interesting thing about this particular piece of hardware, I mean, essentially the data recorder is kind of like a precursor to a memory card in a way. Um, so, That's true. <laughs> and some, actually, the data recorder was used outside of the Famicom Basic 2, was used in like some games. Um, let me think here. Which games? I maybe Excite Bike. I think actually used it in Japan. Um, like to save like your creative. Yeah, tracks to save or the creative tracks. Uh, Wrecking Crew. I think had some kind of saving things too. Hold on, I'm kind of checking it out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there were actually some games. Uh, looks like a game called Castle Quest, Mock Rider, and uh, Low Runner, and then this Japanese game called. Nuts and milk. I don't know. <laughs> Terrible name. Um, wow, that's but, incredible. Yeah, but apparently these games use the data recorder, and I think for some of them too. I, I remember reading about Mock Rider that some of I think in the NES versions that there was you could still see the option to save like this stuff, but it obviously couldn't because it just didn't have you know the means to do that. So right. Um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Wow, okay, well, that's fascinating. Well, I'm going to call it now that I think the next 3D classic on the 3DS should be Nuts and Milk. Yes. Um, but sure. let's go ahead and uh, and move on then. Um, now, the NES had one expansion port on the uh, on the bottom of the system. That's right. Um, which, actually, reading your feature, it turns out in later iterations of the system, they actually, like, covered it up with a plastic tab that you had to make manually break off to even get to. Yeah. I guess they kind of gave up on using <laughs> it at any point. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to think. I think my actual NES, you know, it's back in America, and it's, I'm in Japan, so, you know, what, what can I do? But uh, <laughs> I think mine had that on there. And I remember looking at it, like, about 10 years ago, and saying, what is this? And um, I remember, I think I just opened it up and looked, and was like, okay, great, some kind of weird port. Yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It is some kind of just weird port on the bottom, but um, they were planning to make use of it. And a lot of this stuff was almost completed, not specifically from Nintendo, but um, uh, like third party. And actually, Nolan Bushnell, the guy who's kind of with Atari, you know, like that guy, Mr. Atari, basically, and a, a group of other guys, Nolan Bushnell came in a little bit later, they're working on and a modem for the NES called the Teleplay modem. And one of the cool things about this modem is that, I mean, it's basically wanting to do, like, you know, head-to-head -head 
competitions for people, you know, across the country. Right. And um, one really interesting about this thing, interesting thing about this too, is that they supported cross-platform compatibility. So I mean, if there was a game on the Super Nintendo and a game on the Sega Genesis or um, NES, I guess rather, and um, actually they were working on a Genesis version of this, Super Nintendo version of this too. But uh, so if there was like some kind of cross-platform title, you can play with those, you know, apparently with those, you know, against each other, even if you have different consoles, which is oh, Jesus, something wow. that you can't really even do now. I mean, Today, yeah. yeah. Wow, I mean, it's, like it's yeah. <laughs> so that, that was kind of awesome. Um, unfortunately, it never really got out the door. It just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. Um, yeah, and, you know, at one point, around the same time that this was happening, in like the early 90s, uh, you know, Sega had the Sega Channel in the United States, and, you know, and I think it was hard for this company because they're pretty small, and they were kind of trying to just get their foot in the door <laughs> with this, and it was just really difficult for them to do it. I mean, I think Sega, they had partnerships with, like, AT&T and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, for this company... Uh, it was just really difficult to do, and right. actually, um, kind of cool. Like, I found a really interesting, just a picture of like a of, uh, I guess, like an advertisement from the time, like before this was launched. It's actually in the article. It kind of tells you about, you know, what this thing's all about um, oh, directly. Really? Yeah, like from, like an ad from like Game Informer or something, something or like, like something that. Like it's that. like experience head-to-head competition without leaving your house. And <laughs> <laughs> it just goes into you know. Kind of the thing thing about it, but um, yeah, the NES one though. I mean, it attached on the bottom of you know via the expansion board on the bottom of the system. Um, it, it didn't it, it, from the picture at least. It didn't look like it ran all the way across the bottom. So I don't know. Kind of. If, I mean, this is a little extreme. If you could imagine like an upside down pyramid, it's kind of like that, but not as. It's not like at a point. It's like you know what I'm saying. Right, um, but it, so like that would make your system like uneven, like wobbly. Almost, I mean, I it, it, it looks like it's it'd probably stand okay, but I mean, I guess if you, I don't know, having a fit and kick your console and like fall over, I, I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's that's kind of interesting. But um, like I said, it didn't get out onto the market or anything. So I mean, that that's kind of disappointing. But you know, whatever. But uh, at right. the same at the same time, too, Nintendo was actually. Working on something in the United States to basically allow NES owners to buy lotto tickets um, from yeah from their NES, but I mean ultimately didn't come out because I mean how can you check to see whether or not kids are actually playing this? And that right. that was one of the big things, and they were actually testing this with the Minnesota State Lottery, and. Um, but yeah, like I said, then that kind of stuff kind of hit the fan, and um, uh, that's so bizarre. So it, it it would have utilized a modem as well, yes, to like electronically connect, and then yes, exactly. And that wow. modem would have allegedly connected to the bottom of the console, and that's how they would have you know would have taken care of that. But um, wow. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the weird. That's probably the weirdest one I've heard yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wow. thought that thought that was pretty interesting, but unfortunately, nothing really came of came of that either. Um, yeah, well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, probably. Wow. <laughs> in, in in Japan, on the other hand, I mean, all this stuff in America kind of happened in the early '90s, but in Japan, in 1988, they actually released what they called the Famicom Network System, 
And basically, this allowed uh, owner, Famicom owners to connect to like a Nintendo server via their home phone lines. Mm-hmm. And there's like a special cartridge that I believe it plugged into the top of yeah, I believe it plugged into the top of the console, and then like another part of it plugged into the expansion port. And you know, obviously, you have to hook up to a phone cable, a phone cable to the thing too. And I mean, through this thing, you can do business transactions, stock trading. Um, there's even game reviews, previews, and stuff like that that you can check out as well. That's so that, incredible. That's yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I mean, that that's like more cutting edge than what they're doing now. <laughs> exactly. And you know, unfortunately, that's the kind of the trend I found with a lot of these pieces of hardware. It's like Nintendo took a lot of risks, and they took a they went like online. Even though this is this isn't really online as we know it today, but they were kind of the the front runners for this type of stuff, and that's that's kind of awesome. But right. then you ask yourself, what happened? Because, right. you know, you, you look at things like the GameCube and the Wii, and it, 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 God, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, I'm glad that at least with the Wii and 3DS they're doing something, but it's like, man, they used to take, like, mega risks, and right now it's just, I can understand, you know, <laughs> you want to, like, lose money and stuff, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, I mean, you do, some of this online functionality, um, from then, <laughs> yeah, it would be very nice to have now. I mean, even, like, checking reviews and previews and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, the Wii can do that a little bit now, like, in the Nintendo channel or whatever, but yeah, and I guess it you could time. Yeah, and I guess you could go <laughs> online with the Wii and, you know, check out stuff. But, uh, well, yeah, you could use the web browser. As painful yeah. as that is. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, what really sucks, because, you know, with the Famicom Network System, you know, it launched back in the late 80s, and, you know, it was probably done, I think, by, you know, early 90s, mid-90s, whatnot. Uh, it, there's really no way to see what this thing was like, unless I, you know, get a hold of some kind of magazines talking about this in Japanese. Oh, well, or, that's true, yeah, because it's not like the network infrastructure <laughs> anymore, so you can't even like log on and look exactly. at it. Exactly, yeah. and unfortunately, I don't know anybody that actually used this thing. I, you know, I don't remember specifics for hardware sales on this, but I don't think it was, you know, anywhere close to as successful as, like, something like the Famicom disk drive or something. So it's, you know, trying to find somebody that would have had this and played it and still remember stuff about it, and then to see if, you know, I could even talk to them. That's, you know, that's about impossible. Right. (laughs) um, You know, it's kind of interesting. Like, like it kind of brings to light sort of an issue with, I guess, the Internet just in general. You know, it it almost has, like, a prehistory phase where, you know, it was before people were really keeping track of these things and, like, mm-hmm. documenting things, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, that's like an old, I don't know, like, piece of art that's been lost in time because no hmm. one thought to preserve it, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, and, or, uh, yeah. or, yeah, or just make note of it in any way, because you're yeah. absolutely right, unless you found really old magazine scans, like, yeah. how, how would you even see what it looked like? Exactly, and I haven't found those, so, <laughs> yeah, I, you I know, I, think that'd be difficult. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, I thought it was awesome, and, <laughs> yeah, just... Like I said, it's just a it's just a pity that we can't see what it actually looked like. But you know, right. what, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Well, um, yeah. So I guess what were some other um, I guess either from the Super Nintendo then or, or the GameCube, what were some other uh, maybe intended use of those ports that you uh, kind of researched and in, enjoyed finding out about? Well, one thing I found, I don't know if this was intended from the beginning. I kind of highly doubt it. Um, on the Super Nintendo, there was this add-on called Exertainment, 
And that's kind of a, a take on, you know, exercise and entertainment kind of rolled into one. <laughs> ha ha. Um, I mean, this is kind of almost like we finish before we was even the twinkle in Miyamoto's eye. Right. <laughs> so this, okay, basically what this thing is, it's an exercise bike that hooked up to the expansion port on the bottom of the Super Nintendo. And you can keep track of, uh, you know, basically what you do on an exercise bike, riding around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I think some of the things that kept around was like, you know, the time, obviously, how far you've ridden, uh, calories that you burned, and then your speed. And also, you can connect to, like, some kind of cable satellite or um, antenna and, I don't know, see some kind of, like, picture-in-picture type of thing, maybe uh, TV or something. There's, like, you can see this in the article. It's a monstrosity. <laughs> it's, and complete with the you know hottie from the nineties with the crazy exercise gear, the swimwear oh, over the nice. tights. Yeah, has yeah. I don't know how that style caught on, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, the, kind of like the controllers were these weird little things that were kind of around the handles, and that's how. Because there were actually two pieces of software that were released for this. Um, one called Exertainment Mountain Bike Rally, and <laughs> then uh, like a speed racer game. Um, they also later released them as like a combo, like Cartridge 2. But uh, I, with this, I mean, there were the buttons and stuff like that were kind of laid out on the um, some little things that can attach to the handles, and that's how you would kind of control and whatnot. Um, the thing about this piece of hardware, though, is that it was freaking expensive. Uh, the bike itself usually ran about thirty five hundred bucks. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah, and this was back in like you know the mid nineties, like I think ninety three, ninety four, something like that. So I mean, if I was a kid and would have seen this, this would have been awesome. But there would have been right. no way in hell my mom would have got this for me, <laughs> no. and there would have been no way in hell I would have been able to save up my allowance for enough. You know, for for this thing, I'd still be saving now. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> so, maybe did you say was this released in the states or just in Japan? In the United States, it was in the states. Wow, yes. yeah, I I've never heard of this. Yeah, I don't think this was released in Japan at all. I think this was oh wow, I think this was an America only kind of thing. Because um, the, comp- the company was it licensed by Nintendo. Like, is it like? I believe or... so. Um, wow, I'm trying to the company they they're still around that made this thing. They do, I mean, they do exercise equipment and stuff. So, I mean, it's like a legit, you know, exercise company. Uh, they're called Life Fitness is what they're called. And, um, but yeah, <laughs> I tried looking for one of these things on like eBay and whatnot. I, I didn't Oh, really, did you find one? No, I didn't. Um, I, I did found, find some pictures of somebody who did have one though. It looked like a yellowing piece of garbage. Um, <laughs> Wasn't made of the same plastic as the Super Nintendo. Kind of looked like it, but uh, yeah, I mean, his the one that they had in the picture. They didn't have like the TV monitor and stuff. It was just like the bike. And the, in the picture, you can see like all these like the like this plastic cover over like the wheel and stuff. And I don't think that was on this particular guy's one. So, you know, I don't know how much luck collectors can have trying to find one of these things because I, I just don't know if they're around and you know if I if I if I'd have to pay like a couple thousand bucks for this I think I could find better uh, better places to spend my couple thousand I would, bucks. I would think so. Yeah I wonder for how much something like that would even go for now. Oh my God, yeah. Well 
That's incredible. That's yeah. That's probably my favorite one now. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, with with these games, you can actually play without it, uh, without the bike. So I, I don't know. I never really heard of these games until I actually started researching this right uh, this, this this feature. So <laughs> wow, well, not bad. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, I we've discussed plenty here already. I mean, is there any anything else that jumps to mind? I mean, is, I mean, are these some of the uh, the more extreme uh, uses of these expansion ports? Um, one thing that I absolutely love is the Nintendo 64 disk drive. And I, I know some people dog it, and it, you know, it never released inside of the United States, outside of, or outside of Japan in the United States or Europe or anything, but I always thought this thing was interesting. And when they started developing the N64, this was basically thought of as like a set to the N64. Mm-hmm. This was always going to be a part of it, but they just kept pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. You know, initially they thought that the cartridge size is like Mario 64 is like 8 megabytes, and they're like, oh my god, you know, we can't get these cartridges any bigger, so we have to have this disk drive. We have to have this, you know, to expand, you know, if we want to. Right. And, um, so I mean, the disk drive, it came out in like 1999 in Japan. There were actually like two different ways that you could buy it. One via like a uh, like a, a, a subscription service to do it, and you pay like you know a certain price per month for uh, like a year or for two years, and then the system it's yours. Um, oh, like well, what you like leased it almost? Kind of. It's all you know in Japan. If you buy a cell phone, it's a little bit different than what you do in the states. In the states, things are like subsidized. So if you get an iPhone, you know it's going to be like you know two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, whatever, and then you're locked into a two-year contract. Right. In Japan, this is, I guess this is something that they used to do in the States. They don't really do so much now anymore. They do it so you basically pay for the hardware every month. Um, like, you know, I bought an iPhone. I pay, you know, like 2,000 yen a month and, you know, for two years and that equals the amount that the iPhone would be basically without a contract. You know, right. the real price for it, not like a subsidized price. Right. Um, to me, I guess this is kind of like the same thing. You could, I guess pay everything up front and get the 64 DD. Um, <clears throat> I mean, was it especially expensive? I mean, do you know it, roughly how much it was? I believe it was something like thirty thousand yen, thirty nine hundred forty thousand something at the time would have been like a little under like three hundred bucks, maybe I don't okay two eighty something like that. But okay, with the yearly plan, I couldn't find prices on like just a standalone unit. I only found prices for like the subscription stuff, so I'm not quite sure. But um, the cool thing about these yearly plans is that you would actually get software shipped to you every couple of months, which was kind of cool. Um, I mean, there, there weren't really a whole lot of games you know, on this system. Uh, let's see, I think uh, just a handful of games, like less than 10. And that's like including uh, a disc that basically lets you access it's kind of similar to the uh, uh, the, the Famicom network system, where you can access like previous reviews and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, and also, actually, I guess some kind of message board system and, uh, stuff. So that's kind of interesting. Oh wow! Um, they actually let you communicate with strangers. Yeah, <laughs> believe that. That's crazy, Again, right? very <laughs> very uh, forgotten philosophy, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, there's some really cool games that came out. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Scott. There's a game called Doshin the Giant. And um, there were actually two of them that came out on the 64DD. One of them was actually remade later and ported to the GameCube in Europe. And oh, also in weird. Japan, too. I believe in Japan. Um, it's kind of like this weird game. You're this big yellow giant, and you're kind of... You can 
you're kind of like a god, and you're basically trying to like uh, make people happy. It's weird. Okay. <laughs> then they have you know Mario artist games. So I mean, uh, a paint studio, a talent studio, a communication kit, and then a polygon studio. With you know with some of the stuff, the polygon studio you can actually make stuff in 3D, and um, there's actually like a, a, a cartridge that actually plugged into the top of the 64 too that you can actually hook up like a digital camera to, and like pay, essentially what you'd be able to do after that is paste your face onto stuff or paste whatever. Mm-hmm. And people take pictures of us. Um, but uh, it's, uh, that was well, kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I, I know where you're going now. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> yeah. Probably the coolest piece of software that actually came up for it, though, was the F-Zero X expansion kit. And if you had F-Zero X on the N64, the cartridge, and this kit, this kit allowed you to create your own tracks and also create your own cars, too, which oh, wow. was kind of awesome. Um, you know, I have both of them. I have the 64 DD one. And I have the expansion, or the, uh, this is the regular cartridge too. My only problem is, I just don't have the 64DD. <laughs> I was just gonna ask if you have it, and you don't, you don't have it, one? It's so damn expensive. And, is um, it? I, I remember hearing Billy Bergheimer talk about this with, I think, James Charlton, um, when he was talking to him during, uh, E3, or, uh, Space, or, my god, uh, <laughs> Tokyo Game Show, thank you. Sure. And, um, actually, I think the, he, he is talking about how he had bought one, here in Japan when he was here on like a trip like a couple of years ago and I was here at the same time and I know exactly which store he bought it from because I always saw it when I went in there and I was just <laughs> thinking because at one point it was like you know it was something like 500 bucks it was like with the it was like the console and I think majority of the games so that was cool but at the time I just didn't have that much money just to throw away on something that's awesome but right. uh, he he bought it and I came back like a few months afterwards and saw it was gone, and I just wanted to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, they're they're kind of hard to find. You could find them on like Yahoo Auctions Japan and stuff like that, but I mean they're usually like five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> so it's pretty damn expensive. But yeah, um, like I said, some of the cool things about this. So I mean, th- this this was supposed to kind of expand the N64 to kind of try to. Essentially, kind of make it compete. I guess lure developers into thinking like, "Hey, you know, this cartridge thing isn't as restrictive as it seems because you could make this stuff on the disc." Right. Um, but apparently, yeah. They, my my only familiarity with it growing up here in America was was seeing pictures of it in mm-hmm. uh, Nintendo Power, mm-hmm. specifically showing um, Mother Three. Yeah. Um, which we just talked about last week, actually, yeah. on, on last week's show. But yeah, how that was initially developed for the sixty four DD, and it was like. All I could do was just to, to wait for that, <laughs> just pray for that to come to America, and then of course it never did, and the game, well, you know, was eventually canceled for that, and yep. went, eventually came out on the GBA and whatnot. But yeah, because I remember yeah. seeing that too. Like a lot of really cool games got canceled. Um, I mean, yeah, like the Mother Three. I guess there was a Fire Emblem game that was being developed. Uh, you know, then some things just got moved around, like Ogre Battle, Paper Mario, Majora's right. Mask, um, and then some things just kind of got. Like I don't know if you heard of the game Animal Leader. It's in mm-hmm. the in the U.S. It's called Cubivore, and Atlas released it. And oh yeah, I remember that. That's I don't know. You know, honestly, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I rented it back in the day on the GameCube, and it, actually, it was kind of awful. <laughs> but <laughs> the idea was kind of cool. But um, anyways, that was originally an 64 DD project. Um, but I, God, like I said, one of the things they were supposed to, trying to do is like try and Allegedly, this is supposed to encourage developers to kind of come in and be like, hey, you know, this would be kind of awesome to do. It would cut our costs and stuff like that. But, I mean, this was 
received pretty poorly by the development community. And even though some developers, like in the States, had interest in developing for the platform, Nintendo really didn't actively push for the development, which is kind of interesting. It's like kind of like they're, you know, building their own coffin and then just putting nails in it too, you know. It's right. kind of dumb. But, um, I mean, you know, the, as time went on, the kind of need for for the disk drive kind of, you know, waned as the cartridge sizes got bigger. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, you know, irrelevant by the time, even by the time it came out in 1999, it's, it's right. just irrelevant. And, uh, unfortunately, the, the RandNet system that was online, their online system, it was only around for like a couple of years before it just got discontinued, which is... That's kind of crazy because then a generation before Nintendo with the Saddle of You, it's like a satellite add-on type of thing for the Super Nintendo. That, that like their online system, if you will, satellite system was running for like five years. I think it ran <laughs> until like two thousand one, and the N sixty four DD thing ran until like two thousand and one. So that's you know that's freaking crazy. Oh wow! But yeah, so yeah, that's wild. Well, um. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, w- I would encourage everyone listening to, if you're interested in this at all, which I hope you are, to, uh, to go and, and track down Danny's feature. If it's not on the, the front page anymore, which maybe it's been bumped down by now, but just go to features and, uh, and, and read it. Cause I mean, I, I've been reading part of it and then even just hearing this conversation. I mean, it's just, I don't know, wildly fascinating all the sort of ideas they had for these expansion ports that never really fleshed out or just never lived up to their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting seeing how with the Wii they kind of finally, um, you know, went away from those. And they have the USB ports, I guess, if they ever wanted to do anything. But right. you know, they they got away from these uh, these expansion ports. So, and I, I know there's more uses uh, for them that we didn't cover here. So I'd encourage sure. people to uh, to read those. And uh, yeah, and thanks a lot, Danny, for uh, stopping by. And uh, you can get back to Super Mario 3D Land now. <laughs> thanks a lot, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. This is Scott Thompson here, and I'm joined by Neil Ronahan and Pedro Hernandez, and uh, Hi. <laughs> Hello. and Kirby, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland, uh, which just released for the Wii, oh, I guess about a week or two ago now, and um, yeah, we've got some dissenting opinions here, and Neil and Pedro uh, sort of take opposite views on this game. I wouldn't um, really say opposite. What I mean, would you I, say? <laughs> dissenting? I, yeah, dissenting might be the better term because uh, I I kind of burned through this game. We we got the review copy in kind of early, so before I sent it up to Pedro, kind of made it my business because I was like, well, you know, it's a new Kirby game. I'm very excited, and I played through it very quickly, which might be part of the reason why my overall feeling is kind of negative. But it was just kind of like I felt like it was going through the motions. It never really felt that inventive. Like the coolest thing about it were the uh, 
like the super abilities, which the novelty for those kind of wore off after you used each thing once. Mm-hmm. It really reminded me of like the giant mega mushrooms in New Super Mario Brothers, where like when you first see it, you're like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. And then you realize that it's just a canned, like a, uh, like a, like a, a, a predetermined path that you take when you get that in, in a predetermined section to do predetermined things. And. Yeah, that that's probably true. Um, I, I it was still more fun than the giant mushroom, which it points yeah. is useless if you did get it at the wrong time. Yep. Um, and they did incorporate it into at least one boss fight. I haven't beaten the game entirely, but I, I know it was in one boss fight. Um, where then you get it, and you have to use it. Um, but I don't know. I I they're kind of fun, and you know that they, they unlock like uh, secret. Um, I guess little sub-worlds where you go and then you get more gears, um, yeah, some gears that, you collect in every level. The 120 stars, I mean, energy spheres. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I like that about it. I mean, it's it reminded me of the, uh, I guess, the I forget what they're called in Kirby, oh, the crystal shards in Kirby yeah. 64. Yeah. Except for, I mean, I guess in that case, I, I felt more compelled to collect all the crystal shards. Um, because then you unlocked like, you know, like that the final world of that. I, I didn't quite get to that point, I, I don't really know what collecting all the crystal shards does. Pedro, do you know that? Um, you mean on Cube City 4? Well, no, 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 not the crystal shards, I mean the energy spheres. Oh, yeah, what, okay. Whatever the hell they are. Where they unlocked two other minigames, the Ninja Dojo one and the Super Scope. Well, I mean, like, when you get all of them. Mm, I'm not sure, because all of they say is that that you unlock the challenge levels, the mini games, and that's pretty much it. They don't say anything yeah. else. I mean, the challenge levels I thought were very cool, and I thought that's kind of where the game shined. But just, I mean, like, I, I just, I, I feel so weird in saying that, like, it's, I mean, it's a Kirby game, and I was disappointed. Where, like, what else did I expect? But well, I mean, I, I guess it just felt like, like, whereas, like, with Kirby Superstar. Like there was a lot of variety in each of those games. Like I right. mean, it's the same basic mechanics, but each each game is is you know different enough that you feel like it's new. Whereas this one, it's just a lot of the same play style. And yeah, the game looked pretty and everything, but it just I, I don't know. Like well, that's true, and I mean I think that's worth mentioning. I mean, you saying you're not surprised that it's a regular Kirby game, but in a way, it is kind of surprising. I mean, when was the last time we had a traditional? console Kirby game. I mean, it was Kirby 64. (laughs) Kirby 64, which I think holds up really well. And I mean, I was listening to uh, get talked about on RFN recently, where um, I think that Kirby 64 is is kind of a a game that I think is gets overlooked because I mean that that added something new to the Kirby series with the with the dual powers and everything. But with Kirby's Return to Dreamland, it's like just the same thing. That's something that I was going to going to mention just now um, even though I love the game and you guys can read my review about it but I mentioned in the review that it might not be new enough for many players as I mentioned in one of the cons and I have to agree that it's very straightforward and that kind of surprised me too but at the same time I didn't play any of the latest Kirby games where I had to agree that they were very experimental like you had Canvas Curse which was a touch screen control platformer then you had Kirby Mass Attack which was basically Kirby meets Pikmin and then you had Kirby Air Ride and Kirby 
I know I've- Kirby Air Ride is another game that, I mean, I won't say it's a great game, but everyone just kind of shits on that. Like, there are some pretty cool things in Kirby Air Ride. I, I always wanted to play that game, but everybody kept telling me the same thing, that the game sucked, that it, it wasn't worth playing, but I always was curious about it. But anyway, um, we had many years of Kirby, but Kirby as an experimental character with games like, like right. I already mentioned, Canvas Curse, Epic Yarn, Mass Attack. So it, it, it comes to no surprise that some people are coming into Return to Dreamland and they're feeling kind of eh, about it because it's a very straightforward. In fact, if you compare the compare the game to stuff like New Super Mario Bros. Wii, Donkey Kong Country Returns, and Wonderland, those are games that are kind of like classic, but at the same time they're trying to do something new with the gameplay. But Return to Dreamland is very straightforward and to the point, keeping all of the gimmicks to a bare minimum, in my opinion. Yeah, and I also feel like if if Kirby Return to, Kirby's Return to Dreamland came out before New Super Mario Brothers Wii, the whole four player mechanic would seem a lot fresher. Definitely, well, I was gonna. But I like, was I mean, ask. Well, you can go ahead. But but I mean, like with with New Super Mario Brothers Wii, like really the the hook with that, I mean, outside of it being you know a, a new Mario platformer, which in all honesty it was kind of the same thing as, as Kirby's Return to Dreamland, except for in New Super Mario Brothers Wii, you actually kind of got you know, new suits that did more than, you know, give Kirby a whip. Which, uh, Cowboy Kirby is probably my favorite new thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just, it's very cute. It's like, it's like how there's the Skylanders character that, that has two pistols and you can give him a cowboy hat. It just works so well. <laughs> um, Everything works. But like, I mean, and some of the new powers, like the leaf power, which is, which I think is another new one. Um, I'm pretty sure. It's a new uh, one. I, I believe it's a new one, yeah. Yeah, the leaf power is stupid, but the that whip whip Kirby or cowboy Kirby or whatever. The the um, spear is new, isn't it? Yeah, spear is new, and that's the, basically what Waddle D, uh, right. one of the four player the, characters. The spear is my favorite. I, I love the spear. Um, but I was gonna say, I I think playing the game co op is what makes it worth it for me. And it did you either of you play much of it co op? Um, I I didn't like I played it for a little bit. Um, I I didn't coax Lauren into playing it with me, despite like she actually likes Kirby games. So. I don't know. It was probably because I was just like, I need to beat this right now so I can send it to Pedro. So she was like, eh, screw this. Uh, <laughs> but I did get a friend of mine to play it with me for a little while. And I also played it at a press event um, a couple weeks ago where I played a level co-op. And I have to say, the, the cruelness of everyone being Kirby and being able to steal each other's powers is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it does kind of suck that, like, you know, other people can be Meta Knight or Waddle Dee or uh, King Dedede. But you really, it's just like, you it, it's like those are just different powers that you can play as. Well, I mean, that, and that's kind of some of the strategy, where it's like, well, like yeah. the second player has a choice where he can play as Kirby, but then he can lose his power, or he can play as one of these characters that basically have one of each of, like, the three best powers in the game. I mean, Yeah, because you got the, sword, sword, hammer, and spear. And spear. And hammer. Yeah. Um, did you so so you play? Did you play a lot of it with co-op, Scott? I'm I'm playing exclusively with co-op. Oh, me okay. And my, me and my fiance are playing through the entire game. Um, I haven't played any single player, and I I feel like that's probably why I have an entire not entire. I mean, I, I would definitely uh, say that's that's probably why I'm a little negative. Then that's about what I was it. thinking. I think that's why I'm, I'm much more high on the game, and which is why I would say if you do have someone like that to play with, especially you know a girlfriend or a family member who you know, 
will enjoy this with you. I think it. I think it's a great game, right up there with uh, with Donkey Kong or with uh, with Mario, um, and probably even a little bit better than um, than Epic Garden because it's more challenging. I yeah, mean, I was just actually, gonna say. Um, I I actually uh, I did play co-op Epic Yarn um, with a with a friend of mine and Lauren, um, and that does not work that well because it's a lot of. I mean. It's a lot of like, oh no, it, you come over here. Ah, oh, crap. All right, I have to go back here, and then you you jump there. All right, let's go. Oh yeah, we can't die. Um, so if you get stuck there, I just gotta wait for you to come out. Exactly. Uh, speaking, so, I mean, it was fun. And speaking of multiplayer, now that we enter into that realm of the discussion, I think that, in my opinion, at least, Return to Dreamland has a slightly better multiplayer than. New Super Mario Bros. Wii because of the straightforward design. And what I mean by that is that Mario is more action-oriented. So when you have four players on screen at once, everybody doing their own thing on a massive level, it got kind of confusing because one would die off and the camera would pan out and everybody would be, where am I, where am I? And somebody would die, appear on a bubble, and you have to go to the other player and try to pop the bubble out, etc., etc. So... On one hand, well, that made it fun. On the other hand, it made it kind of confu- confusing and very silly and hard to play. Whereas in Return to Dreamline, I feel that the, the Dreamline design of the Kirby franchise allows for a slightly better multiplayer experience. I could, I'm talking about preference here, but what I mean is that, for example, when one of the characters stays behind on the screen, instead of waiting for someone to go back to the other character and bring it back to the screen, the game actually picks up the, the character and brings it forth to the actual screen. But can you ostensibly do that with the bubble in New Super Mario Bros. way? Well, you can, but then you have to get popped. You, you don't just, yeah, you can't true. get out of the bubble. Plus, you slowly float over. I mean, my like, thing is that, like, I think I think there's a there's a sublime beauty to the multiplayer in New Super Mario Bros. way, and that, like, you know, it, it becomes so competitive, and you <laughs> almost need to compete to cooperate in that game. Which I mean, like I can't, I can't speak because I, I have played. You know, I, I think my, my first time I ever played New Super Mario Brothers Wii, that the final copy was, I sat down with two of my friends and we like got through four worlds, and it was, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, and I, I obviously don't have that same experience with Return to Dreamland. Um, but I mean, I don't know. There's something. I mean, I have played multiplayer Kirby before. I, I played multiplayer with this. I've done it in past games, and I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely I would say that New Super Mario Brothers Wii is a, is a better multiplayer experience than, than Kirby is, but and they're close. It's all a matter of yeah. preference, I suppose. Like I said, I, I think I don't I think, think one. I don't think either is really bad. I just no, I think I, one I, is better than the other. I think Donkey Kong's better than both. If I can, if if I can be so bold, I think Donkey. I think the problem with Donkey Kong is that you both need to be very good. at Platformers in well, order see, to do it. What was so great about that is, I mean, that was another. Diddy game Kong I could just hop on the back. Well, yeah, and I mean that was another game I played entirely with my fiance, and I mean it's not like she plays a lot of games. I mean, we basically just played these games together, um, and so it started off where we were both a little rough, but as we kept playing, because it was challenging, I mean, she actually grew as a, a player, I guess, and, and got better at it, and I, I enjoyed that rather than something like Epic Yarn where. It was you couldn't die, <laughs> so it was amazing by the end of it yeah. how good she I mean, had gotten at it. But I agree. I mean, I I, I rocked uh, probably two 
two or three worlds. I still, I never beat Donkey Kong Country Returns. I really need to go back and do that because that was kind of like the Nintendo game that fell by the wayside. I ended up picking it up like at a, I think a sale at Target like right after Christmas. And I think I got through six worlds, and then I wound up, like, after putting it down for a while, my friend and I probably beat two or three worlds in co-op together, and that, that was, it was excellent. It was just like, damn, that game's hard. Oh, yeah, you gotta invest some time in it. Okay. I, I, yeah. I'll probably write. Now, it's my turn uh, to be the discerning opinion of the, <laughs> of the suite. Um, okay. I hated Donkey Kong Country Returns. There, I said it. Well, I hate you. No. <laughs> I hate it. I love you, Pedro. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Yeah. But I didn't... But, okay, hate is a harsh word. I would say dislike. <laughs> dislike because I started playing the game and said, mm, this is pretty cool, I really like it. Then I got to War 4 or 5. I don't remember which was the word that I I stayed in. I started playing the levels. I kept dying. I put the controller down. Turned the Wii off. Never spoke of it again. <laughs> and I quit playing video games forever. <laughs> but in all fairness, I have, I have to say that it might be the what I like to call the retro curse because up up to this point, retro has yet to win me over with their games. I didn't like Metro Prime. I didn't like Metro Prime Two. I didn't like Metro Prime Three, and I didn't like Donkey Kong Country Returns. So I think they're cursed with me. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I always kind of wanted to write something, and I probably will once the Wii U finally launches, but I, I think I'll always remember Wii as just this system that I played with my fiancé, and because of these first-party Nintendo games, because of Donkey Kong and Mario and then both Kirby games, I, I look forward to the fact that like every six to nine months or something along those lines... There's a new platform with like, multiplayer. Exactly, another one of these like cooperative platformers comes along. It's one of those things when people complain about how Nintendo keeps on like making platformers. It's like, go die in a fire. Like Seriously. I love it. That, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's that like, I'd rather see this than like like. W- do we just want to see them make shooters or something? Like no. Right. I love every, platformers. Every I really like, like. If if I were to make some kind of list of my favorite genres, it would be like, platformers, and then in a distant second, like. Madden Wii Football. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then, like, Super Nintendo RPGs. Like, right. <laughs> see, what's so great is we're at a point where you, where it's not very difficult to own the Wii along with another system. So it's like it's not like you have to exclusively play platformers. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're 15 years ago and that's all I would all be that's pretty content made. if the only <laughs> games I ever played were platformers. But, you know, it's like there's so much out there that you can play. It's like you can play a platformer and then you can go play something else. You yeah. know, it's, it's not difficult. So I don't see any problem with it. And I could see if you're playing through everything alone by yourself, you know, it they might begin to kind of blend together, but playing them cooperatively. Yeah, um, I mean that that's the wonderful. that's the trick is I just need to I need to trick Lauren into playing more games with me. Yeah, yeah, because because yeah. I mean that's what like well the problem was is that we played New Super Mario Brothers Wii together and I would instinctually be on the defense and she'd be like <laughs> why did you throw me into the cl- why why did you throw me into that pit and I was just like I don't know. I, I thought yeah. you were someone else. I, I apologize. Know, that, that is the one Oops. pitfall about these games is absolutely, you know, not necessarily fights, but, you know, feelings can get hurt when you, I, uh, I when never you knock got someone through, into a hole. I never got through the Scott Pilgrim. And it without uh, the worst out of people. 
I, I never I never got through the the downloadable Scott Pilgrim game because I, I wanted to play co op and all it just evolved is to me and my friends kicking the crap out of each other and we never beat the first level. <laughs> I ended up like playing a couple levels by myself, but I was like, oh, I really want to play this co op, but we just can't get anywhere yeah. in it. That was another game actually I played together. It just so much fun because you can bet your frustrations on some other guy, you're angry because <laughs> the, the the douchebag of the group this yeah. you're really angry, and you guys have yeah, that one, the one friend who's just doing like a spin move with his character, knocking yeah. everyone down, be like, oh, I don't know, I'm just trying to hit the enemies. <laughs> no, you're not. And then everybody gets to pile up on the guys, and like, shoot, shut up, shut up, shut up. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna be, I mean, getting, getting back to Kirby, um, I'm, I'm, since I did play, you know, basically played through the entire game, I'm, Likely not going to get it anytime soon, but I do look forward to a time when when I can pick it up. And because I did get so close to beating it, I can go unlock the EX difficulty, which is like a you know a, a harder mode, which would I think would be kind of fun if they they ramped up the challenge a little bit. I wouldn't oh, say yeah. that I wouldn't say this game is a cakewalk. Like it does it does pick up in difficulty near the it end, gets, but it's it still hard as you go. It's along. still a Kirby game, so it's still kind of easy, but it's not like you know. A, a, a total breeze. Like, it's the kind of thing where if you don't got the right power with you, an area could be really tough. But if yeah. you got the right power with you, you could probably just blow through it. Right. Exactly. Which um, is, you know, that's, that's that's like Kirby Design 101 if there is right. if there is Kirby Design. You can finish it, like, um, in a weekend. In a weekend, you can do it. Probably, yeah. yeah. I've had it for about a week now, and we're, like, I think we just put the ship together and with the first world after you put the ship together, so I don't know how much is left. Maybe probably not too much. But... I think you got another world. Okay, yeah. And then, yeah, and then we'll we'll go back and find all the gears and do all the challenges yeah. and all that stuff. But, um, I, I, I thought the minigames that... were, were kind of throwaway. Um, I played them yeah. once each. Yeah, I don't like the scope one too much, but the Ninja Star one is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, I guess... For anyone, I, I saw in the comments of Pedro's review, someone was kind of like straddling between Mass Attack and this game. And I'll say that if you're gonna play it alone exclusively, I think Mass probably Attack. Mass Attack is the better game. Definitely. It's different, and it and there's there's a lot of interesting things going on there, and and I think that'll keep your attention. But if you have someone to play with, especially a close friend, like I said, a relative or a girlfriend or boyfriend or something, I think I think uh, Return to Dreamland is the way to go. Yeah. And I also wanted to see, did you guys notice like the uh, sort of homage to Donkey Kong Country that's in Kirby's Return to Dreamland? Uh, um, not really. I don't... I, never I, don't I, I can't recall. There's a level, probably in the second or third world, that's almost exclusively um, a level where you're like in uh, the cannons that you... Can oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, I, I did, I remember making the comment. I think I was playing that with a friend of mine. I was just like, where are we playing Donkey Kong Country? Right, and at one point, they even do, like, I mean, it's pulled completely from Donkey Kong Country, where you, you're in a cannon, and it looks like you're supposed to shoot up, but just at the bottom of the screen, you can see, like, the top of a barrel, and if you shoot down there, it automatically shoots you to the right, and you're just picking up um, bunches of bananas as you go. <laughs> and it's like, it was totally Donkey That's Kong. And then, awesome. and then it took you to, like, a secret gear. So I just I was like yes I see what you're doing I see what you did there Nintendo yeah yeah I got you I mean that's the thing is it's it's made by Hal Labs which I mean they don't do that much anymore like they made Picross 3D bless their souls um, <laughs> they actually worked on Mass Attack as well but I I feel like that they've gone through a lot because that's where uh, Hal Labs is actually where that's a uh, where Iwata came from and where where Sakurai was and once they left they were kind of without a leader, so to speak. 
Um, but I mean, they're they're still plugging away. They still make fun games. They made Vegas Dream back in the days and Vegas <laughs> Stakes. I know Pedro. Oh yeah, I love that game. Yeah. Even though I never gamble, I still love that game with all my heart. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to see you know Hal Labs making Kirby games again. And they made two of them. And, I mean, I, I have my complaints with Kirby's Return to Dreamland. I still enjoyed it. I just, uh, I guess maybe I'm in a nitpicky mood, maybe. Yeah. Um, like and plan, you'll, plan you'll hear world. more about that as I can divulge more of my experiences with Skyward Sword. And it's not that Skyward Sword is bad in any way, shape, or form, to tease a little bit. It's just that <laughs> me, me and this game, we, we got a few issues. But it's oh. still, I mean, it's still Zelda. It's still Kirby. They're still really solid games. It's just that because I'm used to this this level of excellence, I you know pull it apart a little bit. So you guys are like an old couple. You guys know that there's a lot of issues between you two, but you can imagine you yeah. without the other. That's pretty much just a good summary for my relationship with Nintendo on on the whole. <laughs> like I, I mean. I feel like we're going on so many damn tangents here, but <laughs> screw it. It's a podcast. Um, it's a podcast. Yeah. It's about to happen. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it is it is somewhat related to, to Kirby's Return to Dreamland in in a way. But I always find myself, I mean, in, in any kind of discussion, as I'm sure any anybody who's listened to newscast connectivity is that I'm usually that guy who's like, whatever. I don't care if iPod apps are really or like iPad apps are really cheap. I just want to play games on my 3DS. I don't want to play them on a, on an iPhone or something. Like, I, I am kind of that Homer and like <laughs> that 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 you know that that Nintendo apologist. But the same thing. It's more like I, I I feel like I'm I'm sometimes like a battered wife with Nintendo. Not that they beat me, um, like physically, emotionally, a little bit from time to time. <laughs> um, but it is the kind of thing where it's like I'm like that they're gonna make me happy. Oh, they released. The, they released Kirby's Epic Yarn. They released Punch Out. Uh, I love you. And then you're like, what? What? Really? You're releasing Golf on Game Boy for Virtual <laughs> Console this week. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> and it's what? It's four bucks? Are you kidding me? For Golf on Game Boy? Yeah. I gave you all of my money. I mean, and like, that's like, not uh, a game. What? I said. I gave you all my money, and that's all I get. A crappy NES yeah. game that could be bought for 99 cents as well. But I mean, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, I mean, it's like the thing with Kirby, where like, you know, I'm like, ah, come on, it's just, it's just a Kirby game, but I still enjoy it. And yeah, I mean, Kirby's Return to Dreamland is is a great game if you really like Kirby. If yeah. you're not really that into Kirby, I don't know why you'd be wanting to buy a game called Kirby. Like, it's gorgeous too. It is. It is. It is very pretty. I, I heard. I read some reviews that were like, "Oh, it was obviously like a GameCube game." A dur dur dur. And I think this. These were on some big outlets too. But the funny thing is, is it wasn't actually right. a, game, a GameCube game, which is something that I don't think it was. When I don't think the Iwata asks came out then, but I think it was said earlier. And I mean, from looking at the game, like that does not look like a GameCube game. Or I, I guess it looks like a Wii game, which kind of looks like a GameCube game at the end of the day. <laughs> but, yeah. but like I mean the development of the game is is very interesting because it started off where there there was you know a a four player Kirby game on GameCube and then that got canceled and then they were going going to have a a 3D like uh like I guess almost like Mario 64 esque Kirby platformer game 
like in 3D space that was going to come out on GameCube, but that got scrapped. And then they had this kind of like this like pastel like you know kind of like storybook Kirby game, um, and that that also got scrapped on GameCube. And then it wasn't until I believe development on this game started in earnest in like October 2010, I think. Um, I'm not not 100% positive, but like this game is really you know it's it's been being worked on for a year. It's not actually six years old or however old you think it is. It's it's been a pretty new. I mean, obviously it takes into mind what what happened before then, but this actual game, Kirby's Return to Dreamland, is you know it's spent a year or so in development. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a long time coming. Been a long time coming. Yeah, it has been a very long time. Nearly ten years, actually. And and. If- and if you did get this game and you really enjoyed it, uh, I totally recommend you go on the virtual console and get Kirby 64. Um, I think that's that's a really good game. I, I picked it. I I played it back when it came out. Uh, I never owned it. A friend of mine had it, and I picked it up I, uh, shortly after it came out on virtual console and beat the hell out of the game and really really dug it. Um, I think it still holds up. I think it's unique nice. for a Kirby game. I kind of never actually played it, so I kind of yeah. Have... I mean, definitely. I don't think it's co-op at all, unfortunately. But if if you like Kirby's Return to Dreamland, Scott, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Which is Kirby games in general. I, yeah, I agree. And the game has a really neat mechanic with the power-ups, where you can combine the two. Of them. So that was really inventive and creative. It's too bad that how and, they didn't try to bring it back to another yeah. new game because that was really and, and dude and you, you can make Kirby look like Darth Maul like he's got like I think it's <laughs> lightning and sword and you just get this like double bladed sword and of course because it oh, came yeah. out in like 2000 when I saw that as a kid I'm just like it's like Darth Maul <laughs> even though like really it's it, it's yellow it's not even red <laughs> <laughs> but still it matters it counts it still counts as a reference uh, Sounds good. Well, I, I think that'll about do it on uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland. Uh, yeah. like even Neil, who came into it supposing to be the uh, yeah the dissenting opinion, still kind of gave it a recommendation. Yeah. We won. Like uh, we won. Yeah, I, I, we did it, Pedro. I, th- th- there was no winning. I was disappointed with the game. That doesn't mean I hated it. I just, <laughs> was a little underwhelmed. It's, it's still a good game. It's just not great. Alright, and that'll do it for this week's episode of Connectivity. Before we get out of here, I'd like to remind you that you can always send us listener mail at connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Also, if you've got a spare moment, I'd like to ask if you could please rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.